Hello, welcome back to Rain City Jerks. This is episode 51, I think, pretty sure. Past the century mark, half century mark. Yeah, coming up on a year, you know what I mean? We've missed one or two, so but we're right about a year old now. Uh, I'm your host, as always, haven't missed a single one, Jack Slattery, and we have a former guest filling in for Jay today, John Tuttle. Hey, everybody. This is John. Appreciate being a Rainy City Jerk. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming back. Jay is in uh, San Francisco doing family shit. Loving his uh, brother. Whatever the, whatever the Jews do for Thanksgiving. And <laughs> I think they do some Thanksgiving the same. Yeah, probably. It's, pro- it's just probably, you know, a little different. Yeah. I You know, he, he talks a little bit about his Jewish heritage. I don't actually know much about his family, though. I don't either. Yeah. I mean, I know that his dad was a Applebee's like culinary executive and invented the riblet like his, that is his dad's invention look what he's done to America yeah well yeah for sure he's got a lot to answer for <laughs> yes he does no that's something to be proud of the riblet that's pretty cool and uh <laughs> his brother is like a doctor I think not exactly sure uh, so he's out there making the family proud yeah and his dad is currently, or was formerly, a uh, yogurt magnate. But no more. I instantly thought I heard yogurt magnet, and I was, my dumbass brain had to sit there and think for a minute, like, what that could possibly mean. But, yeah, magnate. Okay, so he was running shit in the yogurt business. He had a uh, yogurt manufacturing company. Jay was the... Uh, traveling salesman for this company. He was a yogurt slinger. He was a yogurt slinger. <laughs> and uh, then they had a deal with Whole Foods that they were going to, you know, start getting put out there or whatever. Hmm. And the specifics of it, I can't remember quite exactly. I'm not sure if I'm supposed to. Uh, but uh, basically, Whole Foods fucked over Jay's dad's company. Hmm. And. Uh, I believe that there are lawyers involved now in that Whole Foods owes them quite a lot of money. That doesn't sound like something Whole Foods would do. <laughs> yeah. A big corporate group like that? No. Yeah. So I don't know wow. what, the, like, they reneged on their contract mm. somehow and, like, couldn't, I don't know. Let's maybe squeeze out the little guy kind of thing. Like, hey, tell us your great life-changing idea. I oh, think, you told us? Now we'll do it our I own. I think Get the it was that they, like, needed X amount of product and they 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 provided that like they made it but then like they couldn't move it or like they never i might Hmm. be misremembering this but i think that like basically they jay's dad's company made x amount of yogurt and that whole foods was supposed to take but they never took it so it like went bad and then you know what i mean just like was like this whole thing someone was in breach of a contract someone fucked up someone fucked up and i think whole foods owes jay a lot of money now well neat yeah all right. Well, or his father, at least. I think him, too. I don't know. Oh, yeah, I might be talking swinging. out of school now. Yeah, uh, that's fine. It's fine. He's not here. Let's yeah. talk some shit about him. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, that's the only reason I'm friends with Jay is for this eventual... <laughs> he might eventually be rich. This eventual yogurt payoff, and then uh, I hope uh, to reap some sort of rewards for putting up with him for so mm-hmm. long. You better remember who his real friends are when that yogurt money comes along. That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I'm here. I'm yeah. doing it. I put up with him. It's good to remind <laughs> oh dude um well i used to call my penis a yogurt thrower no, I'm back that's there. gross yeah, yeah it's really gross <laughs> yogurt thrower <laughs> what are you drinking over there by the way uh this is just black tea with some okay. with some oat milk oh that oat milk man it's a good fatty milk that's i like it good. yeah i don't i i like i i'm not lactose intolerant mm. uh I eat, at least yeah i mean everyone is a little bit maybe i don't know i i kind of i kind of feel like eating right for your genetic background makes sense yeah. and we are stupid irish people and we live on a lot of dairy products dairy folk our our people have lived for centuries primarily on dairy so i feel like that gives me a lactose digestion superpower it really might it might be our microbiome or some right. shit i mean i'm irish i'm very irish but uh I, I definitely in the last few years have seen a change hmm. in the way that my body handles it. But 
I don't. I just don't really like drinking straight milk. Like I like yeah. cheese and I love yogurt, but that's easier to digest than just straight milk. Yeah, there's different levels of lactose because they've. They, I mean, the bacteria is basically pre-digest. Like cheese is basically pre-digested yeah. milk. Same with yogurt, mm-hmm. and so that's why I choose oat milk because I don't really like the straight milk. I like my milk a little chewed. You got to cut it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, the, the bacteria eat my milk first. Yeah, I like that little pre-chewing. There's a there's a thing called, and I don't want to plug them until they give us money. Really, sure. They're not milk, but their their brand is sort of like that. And it's uh, it's like an oat milk, coconut milk, almond milk mixture with extra fat. Like, it's whole. Oh, okay. They have whole milk and then less than whole. And the whole milk was legit. I like the Chobani oat milk, full fat oat milk. I did find that to be good ass oat milk. Chobani makes, I like their yogurt too. They better start paying Rainy City because I believe we just plugged them twice. Yeah. I mean, I'll rep <laughs> Chobani till the day I die. Yeah. I love Chobani. If it's a company I can stand behind, yeah. I also would do that. We might as well start getting paid. This is show business, baby. Like, yeah. You can't Chobani, like hit me up. Yeah. Call uh, our people. I love your products. Big fan. I eat your yogurt absolutely every single day. I'll accept a book of coupons. Mm-hmm. He'll sling your yogurt for nearly free. Yeah. Yeah. Just give me a book of coupons. Yeah, I could use those. I believe well, I think there's a few brands I've also like the volcano, I, I think I talk about it more than I should other brands of stuff, but that's because everyone should get one if they can. And they like smoking weed. Yeah. If you want your lungs to like Stay a little bit less. Now, can you just do a little bit of the volcano? Do you have small bags you can put in there? For yeah. those listening that we don't know what we're talking about, the volcano is like maybe the premium uh, vaporizing method. It was honestly the first way I ever got high. That's that's an interesting. It's like driving a Ferrari for your first car. Yeah. <laughs> maybe it maybe not the first, but one like I didn't start smoking weed till I was twenty five. Oh, your brain probably thanks you. Oh, for sure it does. Yeah. For sure it does. And um, my boss at the time had a job, a summer job, because I was going to school. And uh, I had a summer job at a sandwich shop, and my boss <clears throat> had one. And so he, he let me hit it, and I got fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> fucked up <laughs> well i mean not only is it the way to, to fuck with weed i think and and as far as yeah you can get smaller bags um i just sort of i wing it as far as i'll i do a whole lot i go into it to where i'll, I'll let the bag heat up to a certain degree and i'll turn it off so that it tapers down and then i don't like vaporize all the shit in the bowl that go through or whatever but in either case you could do as long as you're willing to run the shit again i mean you can get you will actually save weed. Like you can definitely hit that more than you could smoke it and still get high out of it. Okay. Um, so it, it is it's economically viable to some degree. All right. You will maybe save and a little bit. Can you bit. take the, the vaped weed and then cook with it or you something? Can, indeed. Or what, what I'll do is like to dump it instead of dumping it into like an ashtray, I'll have a um, jar there, dump mm-hmm. all that stuff in and really you can run it through the vape again. Uh, or you can cook with it, make butter, all that stuff. Yeah. Right. But for DMT is really where it shines because DMT is really onerous to do in every other method, essentially. And the volcano allows you to cut out the blowtorch method, right? You don't have to have a dangerous fucking fire source while you're about to blast off. Right. I, I can't let go fully until I know that everything is kind of not going to explode if I'm out of the universe for 10 minutes, you know? Like like the front door is locked, uh, all the ovens off, all that kind of shit, right? I like to know that that's handled, and it, that gives me the freedom to just cast off into, you know, a DMT experience. So, the yeah. DMT, like, being able to blow up a balloon and just sit back on a couch somewhere, somewhere comfy, and that's the way, man. That's Do you ever way. think maybe that balloon is, like, our universe and the DMT vapor going into it is the big bang and like as it's like maybe our universe is just a mm-hmm. volcano bag expanding full of dmt i don't i just came up with that now but i think as i was imagining the the volcano bag mm-hmm. expanding i was like damn that's just like the big bang that's just a that's just the universe man these are it's the universe man it is well i'll tell you what you're gonna come back sounding like some weird hippie from a dmt trip because you will see and experience things that are otherworldly uh, truly otherworldly in a way that almost, I mean, I still am a very skeptical person at all sure. things, but, and, but I tell you, man, I get it. I understand why people suddenly think very spiritual terms because the feeling is very intense. The feeling of connectedness to something bigger than you. I, I almost always have a conversation with someone that ain't there. 
Interesting. Like the universe at large, uh, some like alien observer or something. It's that's where I'm always headed uh, for, or consistently across many of the trips. That's been a case. So I don't know, man. But I mean, I started smoking weed when I was 25. But I did acid when I was 14. And that's not the order people normally... You did the wrong gateway. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you follow the instructions of D.A.R.E. program, man? You're supposed to go the other direction. Well, that's cool. What, 14 when you first did acid? Yeah. Did you do like one whole hit or did you do a little piece or what What, what was the situation? Uh, the situation was that it was around Christmas hmm. um, and a Christmas card came addressed to the Slatteries. And I opened it, and in the Christmas card was a 10-hit strip of acid addressed to my parents and my grandparents, and it said, love the acid queen of the Lower East Side. And I was like, oh, interesting. Yoink. Your parents are fucking dope. (laughs) And uh, so I took that, and then about a week later, I got caught shoplifting from the mall. (laughs) And uh, my parents were more like, I think they realized that like, they're like, oh, we fucked up. Like he's shoplifting from the mall. That means we fucked up. Yeah. And like, they were surprisingly cool about it. Like really surprisingly cool about it. Hmm. I didn't really get in trouble. Wow. And uh, they kind of just like, were like, are you cool? Are you okay? <laughs> and then I had to go to court. I had, court said I had to go to uh, therapy. And so I went to therapy for like two months or something like that. And, but hmm. I never, like I never cracked. I never told her anything because like my mom, she would be like, cause my parents are huge stoners and I mean, they're getting acid mailed to them. You know what I mean? Yeah, and so they're like, my mom was like, if you can't talk about, your family in there. Like uh, if you talk about me and your dad in there, they're going to take you away from us and we're going to go to jail. So don't talk about us. And then when I got out of therapy, she'd be like, you didn't talk about us. Right. <laughs> so like, I mostly just went to this court ordered therapy and hung out with this nice lady and played gin rummy with her. And she would try and like crack me, but I would give her like no real information. That's a bummer because, I mean, I can almost sadly see where your parents are coming from to the degree where it's like, hey, if you were older, well, I don't know. I guess you were 14. But at a certain point, you're like, kid, you don't really appreciate the potential danger. Saying things that you should be able to say right, would maybe bring on this family. And that's that's like a real concern. At the same time, you don't want to – that, that could sound way bad for them, you know, the way that that sounds coming out. Like, oh, my God, we're sweating our kid and, and yeah. giving him a complex to worry about covering for us. Well, I mean, they'd been telling me that shit since I was like – in elementary school like they never hid smoking weed from me yeah <laughs> but they were just like you can't tell anyone about this like mm. we will we will go to jail if you do yet another reason why prohibition going away would be really cool sure uh but so yeah i did so i got that and so i got in trouble for shoplifting and then i was like you know what i'm gonna try this out <laughs> their parenting like choices don't seem to be going the way they wanted them to they're like, <laughs> they're like hey all right, let's be good <laughs> Well, to reward you with making that for like not being super pissed about this, I'm going to do the acid I stole from you. Yeah. You just did one hit? Just one hit. Yeah. And uh, it was incredible. I kind of still remember it, you know, that acidy haze. But, yeah, it was incredible. Hmm. And so the next day uh, I gave a hit to my best friend at the time and told him about it because he was already smoking weed and being a bad kid. And – uh, I told him about it. And this is like January 3rd in Rhode Island, East coast. You know what I mean? So it's like cold, snowy. So I give him the hit of acid and he takes it. Then the next night <clears throat> or that night, the next day he tells me about his trip and he was like bugging out and just like, he snuck out of his house at like two o'clock in the morning. It's snowy and cold outside gets naked and just finds like a neighbor kids like tricycle. And is just like riding around, like sledding down a hill on acid in his underwear on a tricycle in like January. And then like run up the hill again and like, just like, riding this little kid's tricycle around no one ever caught him like he was fine but like uh that was his experience that's some shit you specifically do not see when you look out your window like 
didn't see that close, yeah. the, close <laughs> the curtain like, yeah what, whatever's happened out there it's certainly illegal but it ain't my problem yeah fuck oh jesus that's an interesting acid experience because i've never i don't know man i've lost my mind a bit on acid sure but uh i've never i've never quite done that no. i didn't take acid till i was 32 years old the first time okay so that's i had a little bit of an inverse experience with your with weed all around what kept you away from it for so long my parents the fact that yeah. they were huge potheads i didn't mm. want and I, I always had to like cover for them you know what i mean i was always just like fuck this you know what i mean and it was always like this secret thing to where like uh you know like i could if i came home after middle school i couldn't just like walk in the door with some buddies i'd have to like make them wait outside and then like sneak in the door and make sure my parents aren't smoking weed in the house. So I could be, you know what I mean? Mm. And then it was like, like, you know what time I get home from school. Can you just like not do this then? Like, can I just come inside with friends sometimes? Like, but I always have to like make sure. And if they were smoking, I'd be like, no, we can't come in right now. And then have to go to somebody else's house or it just, it was like, it was just a bothersome thing in my life. It just like, I didn't like the way it smelled. It was just like, I always had to like be secret about it. It just felt like this like weird thing in my life that I didn't want any part of. Yeah. And, that makes sense. And then I read a Terrence McKenna book and then it kind of changed my opinion, my stance on it a little bit. And I tried it out and I was like, you know what? I actually kind of like this. Oh, well, I think, yeah. In a, in a healthy spot of your life, I, I sort of am irresponsibly high all the goddamn time now, but I yeah, same. am a grown adult that doesn't really have anyone else to look after. Yeah. Same. Um, I would have to change my, that behavior i mean i don't think that i would ever have to stop doing drugs recreationally when it is appropriate mm-hmm. and there's time for adult shit once a kid have gone to bed i should be able to go to a concert and take some fucking molly do whatever you know i feel like i'll still do that but yeah man once you get to a point where your kid isn't like afraid to bring people over and it's fucking with his you know self-esteem i don't know man i would never i would feel horrible if i found out i was doing that to my kids so yeah i guess that means i'm gonna have to smoke my ass up now and appreciate it yeah it's kind of what i've been doing or you know vape or i don't know i mean it's it was the part of the bug me about it was just like you know when i get home from school just like can you just like mm. not do it at that time <clears throat> like take a little bit of a break between two and four per se like Dude, people don't treat pot like an addiction and yeah even, they even call it pot addiction but i mean no straight up i'm addicted to pot i could tell i know but at the same time i made that decision to be addicted to pot because PTSD came and knocking, and it, all my friends are going into the bottle. Yeah, and I've seen that destroy people's lives pretty quickly. Yeah, I just don't even really like you know? drinking, to be honest. Like, it just yeah, I'm just not big into like I don't like getting drunk. Well, that's a damn good thing because that shit is poison. Yeah, super bad for you. What about the worst drug out there for your health? On almost every organ, just fucks you up, man. It's bad for you, and even worse than we thought. With new research indicating that no amount of alcohol is safe. That whole like one glass of wine a night might be somewhat true for people in the older stage of life mm-hmm. with red wine but even still it's like even a beer a day is like has a real negative impact on your health i believe it dude i mean working the door at comedy clubs and stuff mm-hmm. i see so many people's ids and i see 94 90 you know 10 years younger than me and i look at some of these people and i'm like what happened buddy like mm-hmm. what happened to your fucking face like I'm 10 years older than you and you look like you're 45. Like what is going on in your life? Probably just like prescription meds, a hunched over desk job and booze. Yeah. I think, yeah, booze and cigarettes are some of the biggest factors I've seen for aging people. Also, you know, that's something we don't see as much up here, but sun, people yeah. get a bunch yeah. of sun. I'm a ageless vampire. You know, my dad had skin cancer, so that's a big reason why I've, had less age looking shit because i stay the fuck out the sun man it sucks but i just put up with it i just don't the northwest suits me in that regard the northwest suits me as well and to the point of uh as i was saying like you know eating right for your normal climate like this is northern european climate more or less you know what i mean a lot of cloud cover kind of like i've never lived anywhere besides the pacific northwest where i felt like like oh this is like the right climate for me this is basically ireland's climate right yeah i was like this is like this is the like the most comfortable i've ever been it's not too hot usually i mean this year every season is broken records but generally speaking it's not too hot it's not too cold like i don't get sunburned like i don't know i love it up here I could change a few minor things, but the the climate, the biome, uh, 
I'm into it. I love it. Me as well. I mean, I could do without Mordor, like six months of Mordor specifically. I mean, but I, it's something that it, as a price I would happily The rain pay. part? Yeah, the rainy darkness. Like oh, the yeah. dark rainy. I kind of like it. Know? To be, I kind of love it, to be honest. Oh, man. I don't. I feel like it just fucks with my internal clock a lot. Yeah. For one. Uh, it's just like, oh, shit, it's getting late. It's 5 p.m. It's yeah. It's not that yeah. late. <laughs> but, it's, you know, it's pitch black outside. That shit seems late. So it fucks with me a little bit. That's not the end of the world. I, I, I do suffer from the seasonal depression, or at least it exacerbates. Do you have a sun shit. lamp? I do, actually. Now in the house, I do. Like, as soon as I get home from work, I usually yeah. just turn on every light in the house, and I click this uh, sun lamp on and throw it against the wall, the white wall there, so it kind of, like, reflects a little bit more, yeah. and... It just brightens everything up because, like, <clears throat> for those listening, uh, I'm, I think you probably know, but I live in a basement, and maybe you don't know this part. I've got a lot of plant lights, a lot of purple lights, and, like, even on a bright, sunny day in the summer, mm-hmm. like, I can get into, like, this, like, weird, like, half-awake, half-asleep mental state in my apartment just because it's just, like, low light, yeah. low purple light, and just, like... As soon as I step outside, I feel energized. But in here, I just feel like I'm in this like dream. I feel like li- I've lived in this apartment for almost three years, and I feel like living in this low of light is starting to drive me a little bit insane. But so I, I got this this white light, yeah. and as soon as I get home from work, I come in and just turn on all the lights so it's bright in here, and just to like it helps. I don't know, it helps. No, you got to. Like, we evolved. It's so weird. I think about this a lot on the toilet. But, you know, we evolved what? Can you imagine a million years? I mean, no. Human, like, Homo sapiens are supposed to be, like, a little bit over or over a million. Maybe as old as three million. But even just. I think that number just got pushed back a little bit. It's always getting pushed back. It's getting even older and older. But if we're going to be conservative enough and say, okay, well, even though there may have been Homo sapiens, there's a great chance that we didn't develop language and uh, a culture that's kind of what we would think of as human culture to a larger degree except i mean you could technically look at a bonobo and say all right that's human culture in a lot of ways they're tribal right they, yeah. they love they fight they hate they do all that shit but as far as like what we really think of as humans i figure there's there's a good chunk of that period of time where we were kind of a lot like bonobos and we did, kind of didn't need to express ourselves to a higher degree but wherever that tipped within homo sapiens let's say it was ten thousand years ago if we're being super conservative that means at least for ten thousand years there's been humans like us Walking this earth. Yeah. And we can't even imagine shit 2,000 years ago. I mean, like it's right. so crazy to think of how many cultures have come and gone, probably. And we're smarter, per se, mm-hmm. but I don't think we're that much wiser. We don't have much different equipment than the people 10,000 right. years ago. We, and just, yet, we yeah. just have bigger rocks. And the demand upon our brains has gone up exponentially because now technology is on an exponential curve it's right all we're, we're exceeding evolution at this point evolution is the speed of smell and this shit's the speed of light we're so far behind there's never been a precedent for what we're going to experience tomorrow right we literally don't fucking know no our, our species lived one way for 99.999 percent of its evolution like the history. last little bit we've really just turned things all way up yeah. and that's why we have all this mental illness too i think is a big reason is oh, that yeah. our, our society has changed more quickly than we know what to do with and we're not scratching itches that don't have a specific name for you know things that were always nurtured the way that we used to exist in small tribes and groups the social needs that we had were sort of met in those societies naturally but they're not met in this individual type society that drives people crazy in a way that that you can't put your finger on and it's slow it's like having an iron deficiency like things are a little off but you go on for a long time without normalizing it thinking everything's all right I think that's the case with a lot of mental distress and and people that just don't spend enough time socializing anymore. Uh, for ninety for a, a million yeah, years, everybody's got a did. mental illness now. Everybody's yeah, I got. Think we do. Everybody's got like social anxiety and just like don't. I just feel I I don't know where all of this like how they're like. I feel like the level of just general awkwardness has increased like tenfold over the last. I don't know. 20 years just like everybody's like i'm awkward i don't know how to be a nor like like what are you talking like i don't know like like i don't i don't get it like i feel i'm not like a perfectly outgoing person i'm kind of like quiet and standoffish a little bit until like i can feel a group out a little bit and decide 
<clears throat> like how to interact or if I want to interact, like I'm fine being by myself, but like, I'm, I'm not really that awkward. Though. You know what I mean? It's not mm. like debilitating to where I, I can't go grocery shopping. Cause like there's too many, I just feel like if you get 10 people, three of them are going to be like, like, I don't know how to be around people. I don't know how to like be a normal, like, I don't mm. know. I think those people have always been here. It's just that now they're finally vocalizing it because we've dropped the stigma. Because I think that like they probably don't need to say it. It's like, hey, dude, it's a cool. We know that you're socially awkward. Yeah. We can tell. And I've I don't know if it's if there's more of it. I feel like maybe it is even almost getting better. I think it's more vis more um, in your face because now people aren't afraid to like say it. I think to some degree, every kid is looking for an identity when they're at a certain age. And the idea of being a mental illness victim is a kind of an easy fallback because it's got to be somewhat true, probably, if you're troubled. So I think a lot of people are, in some cases, taking a mental illness they identify with and making it into their personality. Mm-hmm. And that's not a great idea. That's not – I mean, we need to be accepting of people, but I think that's where, like, once you get to ultimate acceptance of everything, it starts to get tricky because kids need to be pushed a little bit out of their comfort zone. Right. You yeah. can't go 100% be like, oh, if you're scared of it, don't do it. It's like, no, nah, sometimes we're going to have to force you to do shit you're scared of to make you grow and yeah. overcome and make you resilient for when life throws you a sideball. It's going to fucking happen. Yeah, I don't know. That's that's one thing about us being so much more open and sensitive as a society is that I worry in those ways like there's certain times you have to push kids out of their comfort zone you have to do things that if you're totally treating children the way you would treat every adult like complete understanding hey if you don't want to it's fine yeah no no you got to shove those little fuckers around a little bit sometimes yeah for sure you do you know you need to shove them into the pool did you ever get did anyone ever shove you in the pool to learn to swim i don't i never had that much of an asshole in my life really yes and no yeah. uh i love swimming i've been an uh, big into swimming my like entire life my mom took me to like infant swim lessons that you're like six months old you know what i mean yeah and like they got you in the pool and like they're doing the whole thing get you comfortable get you comfortable yeah Yeah, yeah. so i've been like i love the water like if i can swim i'm swimming and uh but with that being said my dad uh is an insane person and so we went to florida the panhandle i don't know where we were but somewhere in the panhandle and uh We were going to Florida the next day, but so that night, but when before the day before we drove to Florida, he showed me the movie Jaws, oh, and then we went to smart. the we went to the no, he did it on purpose. Then we went what? to then we went to the beach, and uh, and then he was like, "No, get in." And I'm like, "Fuck you, no!" I'm like seven, you know what I mean? I'm like, Man. I'm just like, get out of here. Then he just picked me up and hucked me in the ocean. I don't know what he was trying to accomplish there, but I don't think it, that's the way to do the parenting thing. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, my dad is a lunatic. My father is just like, the more I think about it and just like look back on the stuff, he's just a, a mentally ill lunatic. Well, in some way, he thought he was doing the right thing by No, him, I don't think know? so. I just think he thought it was funny. Yeah. I just think he thought it was funny. What a dick. <laughs> <laughs> my mom freaked out on him. My mom, yeah. like, she was like, she, yeah, she was like very upset about it. Yeah, hey, don't scar a child when I'm not. But around I think it was actually my mom. Like we went with my mom and his mom, and they. I think they both like got on him. They tag team him. Yeah. Well, yeah. Fucking a. That's funny, dude. And you know what though? Like, all right. So that's that wasn't a great example. But your mom taking you to toddler swimming, legit. And I, I grew up in Florida, and even though I don't know that I did toddler swimming, there was pool around. Like it wasn't. I was comfortable yeah. in the water. Uh, pretty early in fact and i got to the army there was like swim tests you have to do a swim test to get into special forces or in ranger school you have to do one i think uh oh not you do yeah the one in ranger school is the worst it's like where you got to go in with all your gear like jump right into the water with boots combat equipment all this shit you got to ditch it all and then swim like 10 meters to this other point then they'll let you out it's actually really tough because everything that they're dumping you in the vest the rifle the helmet all this shit has this uh 550 cordage tied to it so you're like mm-hmm. a snare of all that shit so that, that we can pull the whole thing up off you after you ditch it and to give to the next guy soaking wet and like tangled up oh so it's a motherfucker to get out of that thing in the water while you're flailing around so you really it's just a great panic test like you're gonna fucking panic a little even i very comfortable in the water was like holy shit like this shit is i might i'm not gonna drown because i'm gonna relax but it was very i was surprised how close to panic i was at that seemingly simple twi- uh, test 
But like all the, it was super fucked up. Like all the black dudes that were there all failed the swim test, and all the racist asshole white dudes are there. Like I could, I felt so bad for the dudes that like fail. You could see them sitting there like, fuck, these assholes have their stereotypes. <laughs> and I happened to, and I thought about like, why the fuck is this? And I feel like it's a thousand percent like you're not comfortable in the water. That's what it comes down to. If people didn't grow up around pools, didn't have an opportunity to swim, like it's a whole different experience, man. You could be taught to swim as an adult, but it kind of doesn't matter. There's this like mammalian fear that you, if you don't over- overcome it relatively early, it's nearly impossible to really fuck. It's, it's hard to imagine. But yeah, people who don't get pool experience early, sometimes it's just so damn hard. All right, to get so them. I mean, granted, I heard this in Alabama in the 90s, mm-hmm. but I heard that the reason black people aren't great at swimming is because their fat density is different and they don't float very well. That's some fucking bullshit. The same, like, as I, I'm saying it, I'm yeah, like, mm, I don't think, I don't think so. I think, yeah, I'm, well, I mean, I can't, who can say anything definitively, but I feel 99.9% sure that it's horseshit. And that, yeah, it's just that black people tend to be poorer in our society and fucked over in their opportunities to experience swimming. I think that explains it more. Everyone, most likely, yeah. People of other colors I've met also who just never had experience at a young age tend to suffer from the same exact issues that I saw, at least. I don't, so yeah, I, I've heard it too, and I'm pretty sure it's horseshit. That's so It weird. sounds like horseshit. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing that it ever didn't sound like horseshit. I guess when you're a kid, you just almost take everything face value. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That shit, that sucked. I felt so bad for those dudes because it's, you know, how, how bad is it when like you make an ass of yourself, but in front of people, that you hate who hate you you know like that's was that, what was that an issue in the military like racist luckily not yeah. as much as i would have worried considering you know you got a lot of kind of rural folks there was really actually not that much there was a few and it kind of blew my mind and like in the infantry of my early career because we had a few at least a few black guys it was still predominantly white in the combat arms areas like, oh really yeah in general i think it's maybe it, if there's a social reason a trend for this maybe because black people in society are already so fucked they're not like hey i want to go get my ass shot off specifically right. whereas white people from a safe place like i want to experience thrill and danger for once <laughs> i don't know if that explains it but it's just you have where, a lot less where do black people usually end up in the army uh well the army is 99 percent support where you're doing some job uh either a tech job or office work or you're oh, doing okay. a, you can be in a warehouse you know like 99 percent of people don't go shooting guns off and doing oh, that oh interesting which is weird yeah because you'd think that like i was in the army 15 years but i don't know shit about the army like 99 percent of the army life i don't even know it like i i'm just as clueless as a lot of people interesting strangely enough yeah because i don't have a representative um ex- like and in any case well I was oh dude yeah but the infantry is all pretty much it was all male and it was mostly white but there was at least a few black dudes around and like a good mm-hmm. handful of uh, Latinos so there was some level of diversity and and like when I met the dudes that were uh, like still racist after like a while I'm like how can it's one thing I guess because a lot of the racist dudes were from, like Ohio and shit like that I was surprised I thought it was all going to be so there's the people that never saw black people ever mm-hmm. they were like from Ohio and everywhere they were just racist as fuck. All they ever saw was, I don't know, hearing clans rallies and like seeing black people on TV depicted poorly, right? So, but all right, fine. You believe that way. You came up a certain way. But like, how can you really believe you're truly different than this human being after the shit we've all been through together? Like, right. you know what I mean? Like, it, it blew my mind the very few people that somehow tried to hold on to it. And they always had some cognitive dissonance. Like, oh, no, I love, I love Jackson over here. He's different. He's fine. Like, no, I don't know. I guess stupid ass racist assholes are going to remain stupid asses. I mean, there's a few people I saw reform. But, Interesting. Uh, That's good. There was, yeah, there wasn't that much, at least, overt racism, uh, I would say. I was pretty happy. But the Rangers used to have a problem with it, I heard. The ones over here. Like, there was a battalion that had, like, a T-shirt saying some shit about the swim test or something. Like, they were, like, really – I don't think they had links to any actual, like, white nationalist organizations. Mm. But it was – there was way too much, like – it's not funny to be racist, especially when there's no black people. Like – that's just dick move. That's just some hyper racist shit. I think in the early nineties or something there was a thing. But as far as I know, during my time I never saw any shit like that. So that was pretty cool. Just the, the occasional racist asshole. Which mm-hmm. I'd say I probably see in regular life. Yeah, they're out there. Yeah. But right, I would be I was is I'm surprised too that like you could go through training or whatever and you know, live elbow to asshole with somebody and like still be like, No, I'm better. <laughs> it's amazing what some people can I mean, but at the same time, someone right next to you can go through the exact same fucking experience, and then later will you, I'll hear them talking about it. I'm like, wow, they took away. They had a completely different experience than I did, experiencing the exact same thing from just a different perspective. So I try not to imagine too much of what other people are really getting out of things. But 
I don't know. To me, it seems to make a whole lot of sense. Like, I guess a lot of people just don't bother to examine their beliefs that are contradictory. They can go through their whole goddamn life believing two things that are completely at odds. Humans do it all the time. It's fucking weird, though. It is weird. I don't work that way. I don't think you do either. I try not to. I'm sure maybe on some levels, but I don't think so. No, my stupidities are less or different than that. I have plenty of stupidities, but that's that's not the main one. I don't think. <laughs> do you play that bass? You slap a little bass? I, I do. It's currently both my amp and the bass are broken. Uh, and... And it's been low priority to get either of them repaired. What's bo- uh, what's on the base? Looks good. What's broken on it? Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> specifically, I don't know. Uh, something with the power supply. I think it's, uh, you know, active. And mm-hmm. so, uh, it's an old. This, it's an old body, and it has some modifications that are maybe a little wonky. <laughs> so it gives it some character. Yeah, I got a take it in to get fixed like i said it's just been low priority it's pretty man but i should get it fixed because i do miss playing it yeah there's probably not that much to fix it uh i don't know you know any guitar techs no but there's like two guitar stores right around me that i don't know if they do repairs or not but oh, uh, the one on roosevelt guitar center roosevelt actually has a guitar tech i'm pretty sure yeah there's guitar center then there's that other guitar store just on the corner there and then over here there's that ted brown oh Never been there, but I heard good things about them. Yeah, actually. I just don't know if they do repairs. And then I bought this bass amp at the beginning of COVID, and it fucking ruled. I loved it. And then I just came home one day, and it didn't work. I half think my cousin sabotaged it. I don't really know, but just like one day, I just I just came home, and I was living with him, and just like it didn't work. Where I turned it on, and it worked for a second, then it was like it blew a fuse or something. Hmm. But then I went took it in to get the fuse repaired and they're like no the fuse is fine and i was like okay they're like it'll be like a hundred dollars just to diagnose it and i was like i don't want to deal with this right now and i was like okay yeah fuck well i mean at least you can still slap the bass i guess acoustic style yeah and i do pleasure i do sometimes uh i like playing music i have no idea what i'm doing but like i can put together tunes and stuff but uh it my bass is out of tune right now and uh, since it doesn't produce a signal, I can't use my pedal to tune it. And so, uh, yeah, I never really learned how to tune it. I just have a pedal. I don't, I've never tuned a bass from here. I, I'm sure I could do it. I suppose I, I was going to ask you, I guess you just kind of answered. Like I wondered if you'd taken lessons. I never did. And I, I'm no. trying to start even though I've been playing 20 years. Like I, I've learned a lot over the years, but there's mm-hmm. so much I don't know, especially in the formal realms of music. Oh, the formal realms, I had no clue. But it'd be cool to know. It would be cool. Yeah. Uh, I've been in a few bands. Uh, we played shows, always like that. Um, you know, I can write a song, but I don't couldn't tell you a single note that I'm playing. And I'm not going to mix it up to like 6-4 time. I'm pretty much just straight 4-4 <laughs> four, four time. That's funny. I've never written. I've, I, mean, I might have written some song snippets, but I've never written a song. You've never been lyrics. in a band. I've been. So I played some bands in high school. I played like we did covers. We did like Rage Against the Machine covers and shit in high school, which felt cool. I mean, I I was enjoying the the feeling of playing in a band mm-hmm. in high school, which I thought was the coolest thing you could do. And to do it, I felt really really cool for the, like the four times I ever did. But I don't know. We weren't very good. <laughs> Okay. Well, we had a ball. Like, I would I would play more with people. I just I'm surprised how much uh, over the years I've gotten better, but I've never felt comfortable expressing myself like something I feel musically. Like I haven't been able to go to write music with an emotion in mind and like just write. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Maybe I'm not comfortable being vulnerable, but I don't know how I'm being vulnerable. Really. I mean, for me, the way I write music is I just start playing and then just yeah. figure like, oh, that sounds cool. Then just figure out that riff and then be like, okay, what would sound cool with that? And then like kind of add to it. And then, I mean, for me playing with a drummer, like I don't give a fuck about a guitar player, but like playing with a drummer is like my ideal. Yeah. That makes it happen. Yeah. And so like the bass pedal I use, it's a multi effects pedal. It has a built in drum machine. That's like pretty nice. Like it's basic, but it's workable. Mm -hmm. And 
I could just play without, you know, for hours, just like a single, like, do, 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 and just like. Better than a metronome. Yeah, and just like come up with, you can adjust the tempo and then just come up with riffs that with that. And then, you know, then you figure it out that way and then you remember them. Then next time you meet up with your drummer, you say, hey, I've been working on this. Then he does a thing and then. See, that's kind of the rub. You have, you have to remember that shit, right? Like, that's that's not my strong suit anymore. Memory used to be. but It never was for me either. Like I, yeah. That's why I'm really bad at, like, covers. Or even just learning. Like, if I have someone in the band and, like, they want to teach me a song, I have a hard time with that. But, like, if I come up with it, I can remember it. Hmm. Mostly. Mo- there have been times I've been on stage playing a show and I was like, fuck, I don't know where I am right now. I don't know what. Like, Luckily, I'm just playing bass and you can sort of fudge it a little but like yeah and the, sh- and the songs are always short enough to where it's not you know that big of a deal but yeah. like there have been a few times the guitar player just looks over at me like what are you doing and i'm just like uh i don't know i'll figure it out then when it comes back to the bridge <laughs> uh, yeah dude I, I played guitar once in a show just around here and like halfway through the song right mid chord i'm just like i literally don't remember the next line or what to do like i'm just sorry guys turns out that song's over yeah i mean i ate it in the face that was like a straight bomb sort of thing but it's like eh. luckily that's the other good thing about being a little older it's like well i'm an asshole i'm a dumb fuck yep all right so well next thing (laughs) do some comedy i think i did comedy after that was stupid i should have done the other way around yeah i was doing music i like uh for anyone listening that is interested, you can go to Bandcamp and hear my old bands. Uh, the first band that re-recorded anything is called Sweet Teeth. So it's S-W-E-E-T-E-E-T-H. So the sweet and the teeth share a T in the middle. S-W-E-E-T-E-E-T-H. Okay. <clears throat> Dot Bandcamp. That's my first band. And... uh I'm pretty proud of the music that we put out and like I was setting up a tour for us. Like I, like we recorded, we put out like cassettes. Uh, it looked good. Sounds good. I mean, it's just, it's just like what would be called egg punk today. I just didn't know what it was back then. Like I was honestly, it was a little bit on the cutting edge side for like what we were playing at the time. And had we not fallen apart it, I think that we could have been very successful and like that bothers me immensely. Yeah. Still that like we recorded, it sounds great. And as soon as we got, done recording the drummer quit and the band just like fell apart after that i was like why did we even do this like why like Mm. like why did we like even make cassettes if you're just gonna quit the band right after and like because now i like now i'm just left with a hundred cassettes that like we're not even playing shows to sell it you know what i mean like why did we do this and uh so I was pissed and I didn't want to give up because like things were coming together. Like I was setting up a tour, an East coast tour for us and it was starting to come together. I was starting to, I was like about to start sending out our tapes to different record labels. And like we, I feel very confident in that we would have been picked up eventually. Like it might've taken a little while, but like if we had kept at it, we would have got it. Yeah. And then after that, I started another band, uh, similar vein, uh, me and my wife, she was the singer. I played bass. And then uh, the guitar player from the first band's brother played drums in my second band. And then it was the, a friend played guitar. And you can check that so band out, piece. too. It's called Bad Leg, B-A-D-L-E-G, Bad Leg, uh, dot Bandcamp. And that's a much more polished album. And it sounds a little bit better, a little bit, not better, but just like less raw mm-hmm. and I'm really proud of that album. Um, I wrote most of the songs, like most of the music for that album and helped with the lyrics. You know, I mean the structure, like the drummer, the bass, I mean the drummer and the guitar player all came up with their own stuff, but like I didn't tell them what to play, but I wrote like, you know, it was my song that they were learning basically. Sure. And, um, pretty proud of that and the same thing like we i was setting up a tour we recorded i was setting up a tour i was trying to get things going start mailing stuff out i get a divorce (laughs) Mm. and then the my wife she quits the band and then like 
we were going to keep going and get a new singer. We're like, all right, we can get a new singer. And then it got a little bit more like, it just got kind of annoying and looking for a new singer and the drummer quit again. And I'm like, all right, cool. Like, yeah, that's when I started comedy. I was like, I'm tired of dealing with like pinning my hopes and dreams to somebody else. Just being like, I don't care. I'm done. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's, that's the problem. That's such a luck factor in so many bands. And that's why so some bands yeah. with great longevity are so special and rare. It's like, holy shit. Like you guys, cause there's all the factors in your life that are tumultuous and right. come out of nowhere. Now you got, Four people, that's four times as many shit that could come right. up and fuck it up. You just so, need people yeah. to be committed to the same level as you, and like that mm. is very hard to find. Very hard to come by in most, You're just like, most things. You don't want to do this full time. Like you don't want to like I want to live on the road. I want to live in a van and play shows and just live like a fucking traveling gypsy going from place to place putting on stupid performances. Like that's how I want to live. It's a pretty and, decent lifestyle, I think. and it, I think that scared a lot of people because, like, we were, we weren't, we weren't there, but it was approaching. And I think that people got a little bit scared about like what that meant and what that looked like. Like, oh, what about my girlfriend though? And just like, like, I don't know, man. <laughs> like, can we just go on tour? Can we figure this out? Yeah. A lot of people love to talk about the shit that they would do. Um, and then when it comes time for the rubber to meet the road, uh, a lot of people find they have cold feet for whatever else. And that's uh, that's maybe another reason why I did comedy as well, actually. It's, it is something that it totally is just on you. It's on um, you. Yeah. It's, it's on you to nice. push. Yeah. It's nice to know that, that nobody else is relying upon me as well when I have to take my sweet-ass time. Like, I, we were talking about this in the car earlier, but... You know, promoting yourself, promoting your comedy is a really huge deal. It's super important to do, and I yeah, suck. Yeah, I'm, I'm not great at it. Uh, yeah, and it's something that I should put in more time. You know, all my sensibilities tell me that it's slimy, and I shouldn't bother or think about, care about it. But fuck, definitely needs to happen, man. But because I can't remember why I started the sentence. This is why I didn't smoke anymore. With you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, whatever, man. If it was that interesting, I'm sure I'd remember it again. Mm. No, it's true. Though. You got to self promote, and it does feel kind of slimy. You got to ask people for what you want too. Like if you, mm. like, like I'm trying to go on the road a little bit more, and so I got to hit some people up and be like, hey, like, I would love if I could open for you, you know, on the road. Like, help me figure this out. I'm trying to upgrade, and like, mm. let me open for you. That's a good approach, I think. I mean sensible you gotta find someone who kind of knows you too and like have seen you do well and like knows that like you're capable you can't just be like a cold ask i don't think i think no. you got to develop like a little bit of a relationship it's, which you've done you've been working this for a little bit yeah i think i'm in a good place like, i have a few people in mind i'm gonna hit up a little bit and see if i can get a, get some road work yeah i want to go on the road i want to go to where I don't care where I go. I don't want to like. I want to go to like. I don't know. Southeast Ohio or something. Like someplace really exotic. Like yeah. Southeastern Ohio. Yeah, some chuckle hut in southeast Ohio. One waffle stop, two yeah. Denny's kind of town. Yeah. Exactly, and just you know that's where you got to figure it out. That's how you figure out you know the little things. The this I don't know. That's where you get your. That's where your cred comes from, man. That's yeah, where your artist cred comes from. You know, sucking it up at those little chuckle towns, doing your work, grinding <clears throat> it out, man. That's what's going to give you the cred later on, whenever that is applicable. Yeah. If I could make, you know, basically what I'm making now, working full time, just doing comedy, I would be pretty happy. If yeah. you know what I mean, if I could just do comedy and make basically the amount that I'm making now, I'd pre I'd take more. But uh, <laughs> yeah, you take more. But but you would get by. Like you, you're happy. You're content. Yeah, Your life would be content if you were doing it what it is you want to do. You don't need any extra money. Right. Really. Yeah. I feel the same way. Probably. It's not the smartest way to live, but probably I'd ra not. I'd rather do what I want. Have the. Uh, experiences i want then pray and hope that whatever money i put away is going to be worth something when i'm old and like yeah. and like that life is going to be still clinging to whatever sense of normality it will be clinging to at that point and that like i'm like i i, I just don't believe that 
if I had say fifty thousand dollars in the bank, and the, by the time I hit seventy, and I just like didn't do the things I wanted, I, but I had at that point a hundred and twenty thousand dollars in the bank, I I would I don't think I'd be sad. I don't think I'd be like I'm glad I didn't go on those trips. I'm glad I played it safe. You know what I mean? That's like, not what you ever hear on anyone's deathbed, man. Yeah. I'm glad I'm glad I was able to live comfortably but not experience much. Yeah, well, I know for a damn sure that I could have skipped many of the experiences that I said yes to and it would have put me ahead financially if I were to like be looking long term and mm-hmm. focused. And I am focused on making enough money where I don't have to be at the mercy of our very brutal atavistic society that has very little regard for you once you fall off the edge of uh, I mean, having been broke before as an adult, it didn't fuck with me that hard to be super... I mean, it sucks. Mm-hmm. I did get to taste the desperation of having your back against the wall. I think it's an important lesson for everyone. I don't think... I think if you've never been broke, you really need to in this country, for sure. Oh, yeah. Really feel what it's like to have your back against the wall with no options, just for a second, hopefully. <laughs> Not <laughs> for long. Because I, you really lose touch with that, it seems like. You get to the higher tax brackets. You're like, I don't want my shit to go anywhere. It's like, man, well... We're letting people die in tragic squalor in the wealthiest country on earth, and that is pretty fucking crazy. It's so I mean, sad, yeah. Uh, it's kind of a tragedy that we should all be running around like our heads on fire. But, you know, we just have to keep living our life. And You know what? I, I do remember what I was going to say, though, a little bit, and I forgot it again. Wait, no, there... <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Uh, no, I, what it was is that I remember that I... Like, we talked about networking a little bit in the car. And I do know, it's like I know people that are successful and doing well. And, and there's, I feel like a couple, if I wanted to ask, I feel like there's opportunities available to me that people would give me that is, you know, number one, I feel like almost impossible. To, I would never want to ask in people I have a personal relationship to, like, exploit that relationship. Right. Um, but if I, if I ever did in the first place, like, I would have to feel damn sure i'm like yo i'm ready to pop like my skills are really amazing and i will definitely come through for you if you put me in this and some kind of an opportunity and i feel like i have the confidence right now to say that if i don't know x called me up right now and said could you i would find a way to do it yes i would find a way to succeed and it would work out okay but i really would rather get really fucking good at comedy and every time i go out to these mics i learn and i improve and i see other people getting better as well and like it gives me a little bit of hope, and I just, I just know I'm getting funnier, and I'd hate to like, I'd hate to be exposed to that great opportunity before I'm ready, right? You know, I think that would be almost worse than never getting your opportunity. Probably not, probably not. And especially at this age, I would find a way to fucking make success happen if I were to be. But until then, I guess I'm just not looking for that opportunity. Like everyone tells me they are working. Like, hey, you should be putting your name out there more, doing this, and I know that it's right. I know that it makes sense. But I just don't feel comfortable putting my back into that end of it until I feel like I've really put in the work on the meat and bones of, of really just getting funny, building up material that all interrelates and, and it has like a good theme and where I could give people a good show, like a show that they'll go home and remember and, you know, not just jerking my own ego and stuff, mm-hmm. which I, I think I'm building that way. I don't know. How much, how long did you, you did 15 minutes the other day at Dope Show, right? Total of then, twi- total of yeah, 20. Yeah, five after. Okay, yeah. yeah. For the people that didn't hear, I don't know if you told your listeners. No. But yeah, Jack Slattery was on the uh, dope show in the uh, Everett, Everett Theater. Theater, yeah. That's a yeah. pretty sweet show. Yeah. They're, I do the dope show pretty frequently. Tyler's hooks me up with that, and so I appreciate that. Uh, but this is the third dope show I've done where I could wear roller skates on stage. And so... How many shows total have you done with that? Like with roller with skates? skates? Yeah. Well, every time I host at the roller rink, I wear skates. Uh, but big shows, like real shows, like that, just the three, really, just because yeah. uh, there's usually not that much space on stage. But when you do a theater show, you know the Bremerton Theater show, the Roxy, the historic Roxy Theater mm-hmm. in Bremerton, uh, which is where Ray Charles met. Uh, that producer guy, the Motown producer guy. I can't think of his name. Really up here? Yeah. He's from up here, I guess. Huh. Uh, man, why can't he invented the Motown sound? I can't think of his name right now, but, uh, can see his face a little bit. Anyway, that's yeah. where they met. And I roller skated on that stage and that was pretty fun. That's, that's something that's, yeah, that's cool, man. I need to get some fucking roller skates, I guess. I wanted to get roller blades thinking that they would be faster they're faster but i don't have the ankle like strength i don't think 
to keep up on him. Yeah, I was just like cowing inwardly, like constantly. I couldn't even stand up on him. <laughs> I also I realized they were goalie because I went to like play it against sports and got some used shit. Okay, because this shit's expensive, and I don't know if I'm going to be any good at it. Well, it turns out goalie rollerblades are like totally different. Oh, I have no idea. They're like super stiff, so that you can't move in them. But th- that standing up for a long period of time maybe is is more your shit. Huh. So it turns out, like I brought them to Southgate, the rink that you do your shit, <laughs> and it was horrible, man. It was so bad, I was uncomfortable the whole time. And uh, I think I might give rollerblades another shot with like the right equipment. Yeah, you know, they're different tools. Do you fuck with rollerblades? I know you. Uh, roller I have. Skates. Yeah, I like roller skates more, but I have fucked with rollerblades. I. I have had a pair of rollerblades, uh, very similar, mm. uh, but you're using slightly different muscle groups, I think, to balance, and your brake is in the back, which I like my brake in the front. Like That's most of why I like roller skates. I like the brake in the front, and uh, I feel like I have more mobility with roller skates. You're sac- I feel like you're, for me, I feel like... <clears throat> you lose speed on the skate and gain more agility. Whereas the blade, you gain more speed, but lose a little bit of agility. Of course, you know, that's individualized to the skater too. I'm sure because in a lot of ways, roller blades are like ice skates Mm -hmm. in that, like, you know, those are pretty agile and, uh, acrobatic and stuff. So it's, it's all partially on the skater itself too but yeah i don't know i just like roller skates a lot more aesthetically and they just feel better to me i think you need to work it in with your show because i might uh i might take you up on it if you were going to give lessons and roller i imagine they do that at the roller rink honestly anyway i don't know if they do Hmm. i feel Uh, like you'd do that if you had a roller rink like have a certain night where you did lessons they might i'm really not sure uh my neighbor uh there's a couple and they have a young daughter, probably like eight or so, seven or eight. And she apparently she just got some roller skates, and so I told the dad that I would be happy to give her lessons for real. So I think we might all go skate in a park soon. Uh, like skate parks that have like the jumps. No, 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 just like a safe, a, a safe okay. cement area, yeah. flat cement area, and I can show her some basics. No, I love teaching people how to skate. Big fan of it. Uh, I mean, I'm not like super amazing, but I can definitely give you a breakdown and easy lesson on the basics to get you, you know, going. I I could teach probably depending on the person and their willingness to commit to learning and getting over the fear of falling. I could teach somebody to skate backwards in probably an hour. Oh, that's a challenge for me. I can technically skate backwards, but it is ugly and slow and it's, it's likely going to result in like one fall every couple minutes. So that's where I, I probably should put some work. It's been a while, but I'm, since I'm going to the South gate, I am going to put a little, cause it was fun. I mean, yeah. I bust my ass a little bit, but I have a good time. I'm rolling around. I've been thinking about how I'm going to teach this little girl how to skate. And I think the first thing I'm going to do is like tell her that she's going to fall and she has to accept and be like, I'm going to make her say out loud, like, it's okay to fall. I'm going to fall. And then we're going to work on falling safely. I think that's a smart first goal. Like right off the bat, we're just going to work on falling safely and just get her used to that and then pick up the pace a little bit, but go slow. I think that's great methodology, man. I think that's the way to do it. For sure. Like, it's also, and we talked about it earlier as well, the, I, from Miami, I didn't grow up snowboarding. I didn't see a snowboard or own one until very recently, but now I'm 200 pounds and I was, when I was a little kid, when most people learn it, I was rubber, you know, I could have right, right. eaten shit all day and it wouldn't have been a big deal. And now I, I could do maybe an hour or two on the, depending on how little I fall, sometimes I could stay longer. But after I fall two or three times, even though I have definitely practiced falling and I'm really, I'm a professional at falling. <laughs> like even when I wrecked my bike and like flipped it, like my helmet's unscathed always because I tuck my chin into my neck. Like I do all the shit that you do to fall safely. I've done it for so long in so many other contexts. Um, but even still, like the impact of hitting, like my brain jarring itself against the inside of my skull, I just get a, like a rip-roaring headache immediately as soon as oh, I fall yeah. once. And I'm yeah. like, well, that's it for the day. Like I need this brain thing of mine. It's already <laughs> fucked up enough. It's a bummer because I love it. Like, it's so much fun out there. I would stay out there all motherfucking day. Like, I would like to build up to that, but it's really hard to, like, get your reps in when you have to go home after, like, one fucking fall. 
So I don't know. Yeah, teaching the kids how to fall right away, getting them over the the mental hurdle. Oh, you know, this is something I don't know if I brought it up to you, but at Seer, I don't know if I talked about. There's a survival training. One of the the rules they give you in survival is go ugly early. Hmm. Like as soon as you get into a survival situation, you're tr- like eat a bug, do something gross that you are gonna like. You need to break that barrier mentally as soon as you can because it's going to be a long slog potentially to survive and you can't waste any time being a priss. Like you got to get over that shit and the faster you do it, the better. So I, I, fun, I think about that as like as a metaphor and a lot of other things in life. I don't know. I imagine you can apply that to a couple other things. huh? No, that, I, yeah, I've never heard that, but I like it. Yeah. Uh, That's why I had to share it. It's so weird. <laughs> it's so crazy that like, your brain is so fragile. You know what I mean? Just like you would think that like humans would have evolved like Klingon skulls, just like thick heads with like bones on them just to take a blow. You know what I mean? Like we have, we have a skull, but like, I mean, you can still get your clock cleaned. Like you would think that we would develop like a head, like a thicker head. I wonder if our skulls, cause I feel like a lot of the close by and I'm not an anthropologist, man, but like, from what I remember, the skulls of a lot of close by, like chimps and, and other, they have really thick skulls. Like they can fall yeah. from a tree right on their fucking head. I think that our skulls have gotten thinner. I guess it became less of a survival thing to fit more brain in there. Yeah. It was a better survival trade off or something. But um, I don't know. It's it's kind of ridiculous. But I guess also, man. I mean, you I, would just think that over the centuries of people fighting, people with thicker heads would live longer and fuck more and then mm-hmm. you would just get thicker and thicker heads i don't know you'd think i mean so i guess it's weird you know what i found really interesting it wasn't i don't think it was in the selfish gene it was one of those books i read about genes like somewhere they started discovering that like you have sometimes in your house you'll have a switch you flip it and like two different lights will go on right yeah well apparently there's genes like that as well so when they started taming those siberian foxes who are not related to dogs at all they're not in this canine species but they got them to start taming them over selective breeding these uh these guys were researchers they'd get the foxes that came closest to the food breed them and then like right. keep doing it and eventually when they finally got like tame they got really soft dog-like fur and their ears got floppier right right and they realized like wow tameness is a gene when you flick that it also produces these other dog-like uh things these traits that are also associated with dogs but it's somehow all related on the same switch and that's that's where there's some consternation in there like when you want to draw a specific survival advantage uh, it's really hard to say for sure, man. Like, I feel like the, one of the main reasons it seems like human beings, like adult males, don't, or males don't get a fully functional brain until 25. Right. Because you're the most genetically expendable portion of the population. You've probably already spread your seed a little bit. You're not needed that much to be around anymore to, to keep the survival of that child. Sure, going. yeah. So as far as evolution is concerned, you're already kind of, you know, spent. There's still a definitely survival advantage to having more older and wise experience, like, people in your society and around so that that does get reinforced but this is also why i I have a problem with the dmt ideology that people have i don't know if you've heard this but people say that like when you die your pineal gland will just shoot out this burst of dmt yeah yeah and that whole that's that's what you feel you're going as you're dying but the thing to me is like okay but how would that ever get reinforced through evolution because this is something happening as you die it makes zero difference on the survival of your offspring or how many offspring you have or any of that all those decisions have been made long ago the only thing that sort of does make sense that i've heard as an argument put forth is that a society where people have these religious type experiences when they're nearly dead they my religion seems to be a positive uh, survival trait within groups within social groups at least early on in our evolutionary history, maybe not as much anymore, but there was a period. So maybe that's why, maybe there's a reason, but it's, it is funny to think about shit you see in life. And you're like, well, did that get reinforced pre procreation or after? Cause after procreation, a lot of times evolution doesn't give a fuck anymore. They don't give a shit what happened to you. Once you sprayed your, your yogurt, it's been thrown. Man. It's <laughs> like, they don't care anymore. Uh, isn't that weird though, man? Damn. Yeah, I think I just bastardized a lot of uh, Richard Dawkins' Selfish Gene book. But I, I think that shit came out in like 70 and he won all the awards for it. It's a really yeah, good yeah. book. Have you read it? I got like, I go to the first two chapters and I just keep reading this. <laughs> uh, I don't think I've read all. I might have listened to it on an audio book, but I'm familiar. I'm very, I'm, That'd be a good one. I'm a little bit familiar with it and his, his work. Yeah. And I love that idea he's got of like, 
DNA forming itself. And once it did, it's basically everything above the DNA, the cells, us, are just machines to get it along to where it's going. Like, we are literally a spacesuit for these little DNA molecules. So if you think of them as the actual entities, and we are simply a survival suit for them right. to procreate themselves. Right. And that's just a weird. That kind of blew my mind. These are the kind of high thoughts in my bathtub I really love to have. That's why Dawkins <laughs> is sitting there. Uh, yeah, get some Dawkins on audiobook. Get hit your volcano and hop into a mm. bath and just deep think. Life is good. I got uh, some DMT we'll have to do soon, by the way. I'm down. Right. Let's call it there. Rain City Jerks out. Mm-hmm.